0: I want to share a word as we conclude on our conference on discipleship. I want to share a word on the primary relationship of a disciple. In other words, the most important relationship that a disciple ought to have. All of us as believers in Christ Jesus are called to be disciples. In the great commission of Matthew 28 Verses 19 and 20, the Lord says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The church is called to make disciples, not converts, not church attendees but disciples of Jesus Christ. And the aim of every disciple of Christ is to be in complete union with him, both in spirit and soul, and also in conduct. As his disciples, we are to be united with him in spirit. This takes place when we are born again. In soul, as you're renewed... With your, um, by your mind, in your mind by means of the word energized by the Holy Spirit And in your conduct the things that you do Are to show that you are in union with him This is what it means to do things in the name of Jesus When we do things in the name of Jesus We are literally representing his character Or his nature We're doing it in his authority and we're also doing it the way he would have done it with our personality and our abilities. That's what it means to do something in the name of Jesus. But I want to emphasize on the key aspect of what empowers us to be able to be the disciples we're called to be. Matthew chapter 10 verses 24 and 25. He says, this is the Lord speaking, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough or it is the goal for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they've called you, if they've called the master of the house Beelzebub, How much more will they call those of his household? In other words, when we identify with Jesus and our goal is to be like Jesus, the same persecution he received over time will be reflected in our lives. The way people viewed him, the way the world viewed him is the way the world will view us eventually. Even though he did great things, miracles and so forth, they said he did it by the power of Beelzebub or Lord of the Flies. Satan, one of the characteristics, he was called is Beelzebub, which means Lord of the Flies. What an insult. That's what they call the Lord. So if they say you stink, don't worry about it. It's because if you're a good disciple, you're reflecting your master unless you need a bath. All right, let's move on. Knowing Jesus is a choice every person needs to make. If you, if you are not a believer in Christ, you have a choice to decide to follow Christ. And if you are a believer in Christ, you have a choice to decide to know the Lord better. I don't want to be the kind of Christian that knows the Lord through the lens of another man or woman whether it's my parents or my pastors or some spiritual guru. I want to be the kind of Christian that knows the Lord for myself. I know him and I'm known by him. I want to be confident in the presence of God, in the courts of heaven. I was saying to Aisha, my wife, that as a community of people, We need to have a signature of being radical for Christ. But she asked me, before who? Well, so that others can see that we're radical. I said, no, not for people, but a signature of being radical before the angels of God. That when they look at this company, they can say, man, these guys are going hard after Jesus. This community of people are uncompromising. They are serious about the Lord Jesus. That in the courts of heaven, in the arena of heaven, they like what they see because they see a people that are wholehearted for Christ. Knowing Jesus is a choice you and I make. Our Lord said in John 7 verse 37 and 38, it says in the scripture, On the last day, that great day of the feast... Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living waters. If anyone thirsts, are you thirsting for reality today? Are you thirsting to know Jesus today? I don't care how old you are. I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care whether you're backsliding or you're insliding, I don't care. Are you thirsty for God, for Jesus? The Lord said, is anyone thirsty? If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Not to church. Not to church. Let him come to me and drink. Beloved, when you begin to have an encounter... A real encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. One encounter with him will change you forever. We need to learn to point people to Jesus. So that the Lord will meet them. And when they meet the Lord, all the other arguments will fall to the side. Today the Lord is revealing himself to Muslims in dreams and visions. He's revealing himself to people, Hindus, in our church in India. We're seeing Hindus coming to the Lord. We're seeing Muslims coming to the Lord in our church in India. Sam will tell you, I expected you to give us some uh, proper, uh, tell us the amazing things God has been doing. In the last two years alone, he's baptized over about 50 people. Am I right? 50. I mean, come on, that deserves a uh, 50. (laughs) Baptize them. And it's not like here, you know. You think it's hard here? Go and preach on the streets of India for a while and see what it's like. But God is revealing himself to people and he's calling out to his church, are you thirsty for me? He says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And when you drink from him, he says, out of your belly or your heart, innermost being will flow rivers of living water. In other words, As you encounter the Lord, He creates in you a channel, a reservoir of life that flows out of you. When you begin to encounter Jesus for yourself, the way He will imprint Himself on you will cause your life to be a channel of living water. You're either channeling living water or dead waters. I pray that we as a church will be a channel of living waters in Jesus' name. Knowing the Lord is a choice. And one man of God said this, all of us are as close to the Lord as we choose to be. You know, sometimes we pray very unscriptural prayers. We pray prayers like this. Oh Lord, if it's your will, let me know you. That is a foolish prayer. The word of God is very clear. It is God's will that we know him as we are known by him. And it is out of that relationship that we are called to minister. I touched on this on Friday. Let me touch on it again. We are to minister as disciples out of our relationship with the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ's son. 1 John 1 from verses 1 to 3 that which was from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life what have you seen what have you looked upon is it just reading information in the Bible what have you handled what do you experience of God Of the presence of the Holy Spirit. The other day, I was talking to a very intelligent Muslim, very intelligent guy, well educated, way above me. He said he used to be a Christian, he's not anymore. He was an Adventist, etc. And that's what talking, talking, talking. I asked him a question Did you ever receive the Holy Spirit? He said, Whatever that Holy Spirit is, I received it. I said, No, 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 no. You see, that's where I became superior. Did you ever receive the Holy Spirit? Where he came into you and began to impact you. Because anybody who's had the touch of the Spirit of God in them can never deny the reality of the power of God. They may choose not to serve him because of their desire for darkness, but they can never deny his reality. One encounter with him will transform your life forever. And I am wanting to speak to the church today that we will continue to press hard and prioritize hard the relationship of our Lord Jesus as the most important relationship. And out of that is how we negotiate life. It's how we live our lives. Everything else we are doing, every decision we are making, Is born out of that. The other day, somebody said to me, or somebody said, or something happened. I'm trying to um, dilute it more. The other day, between the North and the South Pole, a human being in the universe somewhere said something like this. If you do this again to me, it's over. And then I pulled him aside and said, why did you say that? Then I said to them, listen, the only time it's over is when he says it's over. If he's the Lord of your life, you can't dictate your life. You might want it to be over. How many of you at times want it to be over when it comes to going to church? Pastor Martin raised his hand and so did Pastor John. The two senior pastors. So you know. Sometimes you just want it to be over. But it's never over until he says. And when he says it's over, it's over. Verse 2. He says, the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. When believers begin to see the life of Jesus and what they are receiving from him, they begin to impart it to others. That is when they will really begin to make an impact. When you and I are seeking to impact out of the revelation of what we have seen, you become irresistible. There's too many hand-me-down Christianity. You know, Pastor Joe says, Pastor John says, Pastor Sam says, forget about them. Who is Joseph? Who is John? Who is Samuel? What you are interested in is the life which you saw, what you received. Because when you see his life, it reflects back into your life and you reflect it out into others. Eternal life, which was in the Father, was manifested to us. Not dead religion. Eternal life. He says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. That you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Who is your fellowship with? Who did you fellowship with this morning? Who did you fellowship with this week? Who were you communing with? I pray it was with the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. That your fellowship, that partnership you have. You see, fellowship is a very powerful word. It speaks of partnership. It speaks of sharing. It speaks of communion and intimacy. It speaks of being in oneness with someone. And beloved, you are called to a superior fellowship with the Father and His Son. I pray that you will make that Your primary, primary pursuit. And out of that, you serve your world. Whether it's in your workplace, whether it's in your home, whether it's in your church, whether it's with your friends, whether it's with your family, it is out of that fellowship you serve others. One of the things I've discovered as a pastor is that there is a great need in the church for people to know the Lord. What a statement! I've discovered that many people have religion what I mean by religion is sacred information and sacred practices which are good but in themselves have no life to transform you they just become onerous a heavy burden and so if you do things out of religion it becomes after a while a big chore And you can be doing very good things like pastoring and preaching and teaching out of religion. Listen, even administrative work must be done out of prayer. As our man here testifies. He's a very powerful administrator. But I know he prays, he seeks the Lord, he tries to find God's heart. And when he's doing that, he's flowing very powerfully. Even what may appear... Mundane, like the sound. The sound is a very powerful ministry. As soon as a little problem happens with the sound, everybody's attention moves from the speaker to that corner. That's how powerful they are. You know, the worship could be singing, and they could be singing, and then and they're out of tune, and people just pretend it didn't happen. And, and people think it didn't happen. But as soon as the sound and everybody turns. Very powerful. That's why sound engineers need to be prayer warriors. Yeah. Because sometimes when you're carrying that heavy thing, you need to add the anointing of Samson Ibro, Sakari approach. Especially when you've just, you know, many times they are the first ones here. You know, well, in Greenwich, I can't speak of Life Center and the other places. But in Greenwich, the sound teams and the worship teams, they are the first ones here. Of course, sometimes I beat them because I'm part of the prayer team. So I think the prayer team needs to be the first one. But I see them, they come dedicated early. You see, you need To add to that a spirituality so that it doesn't become just some chore. Otherwise, after a year or two, you want a break. I need a break now. Imagine if we had these breaks that people have. If you're doing God's work and you keep doing God's work out of duty alone, after a while you need a break for a long time. Because you will burn out. The reason why we can keep going and going and going because we keep recharging and charging and charging. We keep reconnecting with the life. There is a great need for God's people to know the Lord. Hosea chapter 6 verse 3 says this. Let us pursue, let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. Let us know, let us pursue the knowledge the Lord say to your neighbor pursue the knowledge of the Lord say to somebody else pursue the knowledge of the Lord in John chapter 15 verses 4 to 5 he says this abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me I am the vine You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Without me, our Lord says, you can do nothing. If you and I want to be fruitful disciples, we need to learn to abide in him on a continuous basis. And let me tell you something when you are abiding in the Lord. Everything becomes simple. See, as a pastor, I face situations and people think they've got such complicated, complex problems. And often, the answer is this. Well, what is the Lord saying? What does God's word say? I don't know. I don't know what God says. God's word says, I know I've had enough of her don't know what God's word says. I know I've had enough of her. Pause. If God, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question. How many of you, okay, this is kind of a silly, obvious answer, but how many of you want to always do what God wants you to do? Always. That's your deepest desire deep down in your heart. Be honest. Come on. How many of you always want to do what the devil wants you to do? Let me just see so that we're clear. Uh-huh. Right. Now isn't it interesting even though in the heart of everyone here I believe it's true that we want to really do what God wants often we try to make it out that God wants something other than what he says in his word so God you know, with your, let's say with your sister. Let's use that, sister. Sister, wife. <laughs> brother, brother, husband. The way they have behaved makes it very clear to you what you want. To slap them And then eject them. How many of you have ever felt like that before? This week. But we're we're talking about the need to know God. And without him you can do nothing. But God's word is very clear. It's very clear. Forgive. How many times in a day? How many times are we supposed to give in a day? Not forever. I have done the... Somebody said, I forgave him um, 70 times 7, 490 times. After that, I don't forgive anymore. I've been counting. No, it's supposed to be in a day. That's the inference, in a day. How often must I forgive my brother in a day? That's the inference. 70 times 7 times. Minimum. The point is... Every single time. Every single time. And what does it mean when you forgive? It means you no longer hold it against them. Say to your neighbor, it means I no longer, I want you to do this. Say to your neighbor, it means I no longer hold it against them. Some of you are not doing it. (laughs) What I'm trying to say is is this. When you learn to abide in the Lord, every single important decision and leaning of your heart, you will learn to filter it through what do you want. That's it. That's what it means. To abide in him is not being locked in a room somewhere in a lotus position, playing loud worship music. And nobody can ask you any question. That's not what abiding in him means. You know, I like my music loud. My wife and children will testify. Because one, it drowns out my snoring when I'm trying to pray and I fall asleep. So they can't hear me. At least that's the hope. But more importantly, I just like being loud. In case you wondered. That's just my personality. I am not... Type when I need to pray I am not I'm not That I nearly fell asleep just now That would I'm not that strong I like I Like that kind of Yeah, I like that and the music is at the same time. I like it. I like it. That's how I like it. Huh. But that is not what abiding in the Lord is. You can have all that noise and it's just a noise in the Lord's ears. Because, whilst I'm doing all of that, my wife and my children need my attention. No, 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 don't disturb, don't disturb, no, no. I'm abiding. That's not what it means to abide. To abide simply means to remain. You remain in him. And you remain in him by doing what he wants of you now. Simple. And I tell you, you and I need to have it in us That that is the most important requirement we will place on ourselves. That when we know what God's word requires of us, we will do it. Even if it hurts us. And it will make you feel foolish many times. Sometimes you will lose out. Sometimes you will look like the one who's always going back and saying sorry. How many of you feel like that? That's a good thing. If you can say, I'm the one who always keeps going back and say sorry, it means you are superior in love. (sighs) Since you know you are the one who keeps going back, what's your problem? Keep doing what you know. Keep going back. All right, so what is the effect of knowing the Lord? Quickly. One, knowing Jesus results in experiencing his power and his sufferings. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. One of my favorite verses. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Verse 11. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Knowing Jesus will cause you to experience his power. Will cause you to also experience his sufferings because of your pursuit of him. In Daniel chapter 11 verse 32, there's a phrase that he says this. And the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. So knowing him causes you to have spiritual strength. And causes you to do amazing things with your life. I tell you, you were made for signs and wonders. You were made for the supernatural. You were made to reveal the arm of the Lord. Number two, the effect of knowing the Lord is knowing Jesus emboldens us and also transforms our lives. In Acts chapter 4 verse 13, it says this. Now when they, the Sanhedrin, saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, And untrained men, like some of us. He says, they marveled and they realized, ah, this is their secret. They had been with Jesus. Because they had been with Jesus, they could speak with a level of authority. They could speak with boldness. They could act a certain way. They hadn't gone through the formal training. They hadn't been educated with the best education. But I tell you there is a spirit in man. And the breath of God or the almighty gives them inspiration. When you have the spirit of God residing in you. Influencing your very thought pattern. You may have had GCS, uh, CSE, CSE, 4, 3. But you write a book that will confound the intellects. Because there is a spirit in man and the breath of the almighty gives them inspiration. I believe in education. We push you to get educated. I told my son, or whatever you want to do, you get your degree first. Believe in education. Believe in being trained. But let me tell you something. Knowing Jesus adds super to your natural. Three, knowing Jesus results In you teaching your family the ways of God. And I tell you something, CLF, we need to become radical in how we indoctrinate our children. I said it, indoctrinate. You cannot leave your children to be indoctrinated by the media and secular humanism. And ungodly and perverted people that want to pollute our children and destroy their life. No, no, no. We are not leaving our children to that. We are to indoctrinate our children the ways of God. Somebody said, leave them, let them make up their own mind. Foolish man, men, foolishness. You don't leave a children, a child that has been born to feed itself. You don't leave a child that has been born to find its own school or whatever. You look after that child. You teach that child. You help that child. You feed. That's how we do it in the natural. So what makes us think we should do that in the spiritual? When it comes to spiritual things. I told my children there are certain things is non-negotiable. My son has been asking me since the age of 11. Can I have a, a, one of them things in my ears? I said no. And my wife said oh but why not? I said I don't like it. Is that good enough? I said oh but dad why? I said no. No, 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 no. It's a mark of slavery. That's what it is. He said oh, but Jake has it. I'm not Jake's dad. <laughs> Are you still here? So many of you have it. That's your business. I'm not saying that it's a sin. But for me, when I read it, it's a mark of slavery. Love slaves bore their, their ear. I think it's the right one or is it the left one? Right one in this society means you're gay, by the way. Um, but uh, is it the left one? That's what it means. I don't know if it's changed, but in my day, it meant you were gay. Not speaking against. Anyway, let me just move on. So, we speak against certain things. But anyway, so, he asked me, can I borrow? I said, no. I said, it's a mark of slavery. If the Lord commands you to do it as a love slave, and I get the witness, then i allow it. He said, what if I leave home? And when I leave home, I said, I don't care how old you are. I do not want you boring your ear. My wife said, Ah, but if he's left home, I said, he can leave home, go to Mars and Pluto. He's still my son. And my son will not bore his ear. It's as simple as that. My daughter can not my son. That's me. Now that is a preference. That's not even a, a, a principle of God's. Sake. That's just a preference. Now, if as a parent, I, okay. Okay, how many of you men, brothers, you just say you give your children the freedom. You don't mind if your son walks in here with a skirt on. You don't care. After all, he may have a Scottish heritage, so if he's wearing a pink skirt, what's the problem? How many of you wouldn't care? Rubbish, nonsense. Okay, you know, you you so do libertarians. What if I decided to, okay, okay, my son can do it. So what if I did it as well? Uh Uh-huh, you see, look at you. I, I decide, okay, we're all free. So let me now also, you know, I'm gonna have a few bangles here and a few there, some bling, 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 bling. You think, what's happened to the pastor? He's free, he's just expressing himself. And I get a big Mohican. <laughs> One of my pastors had a Mohican. I said, hey, my friend, you're too old for that, get rid of that, I told him my friend you're too old for that what are you doing he said i like it i like i said listen you're too old (laughs) i told him (laughs) sam if you decide to put some earring i'll come to you and say you're my spiritual son get rid of it (laughs) there are certain things when it comes to how we raise our children we need to raise our children to be radical to be prayer warriors, to fast, to tithe. You yourself, you don't tithe. How can you tell your children to tithe? To tithe, to give offerings, to go on missions. Once there was a mission, my son said, oh, dad, I don't want to go on that mission. I said, you are going. You are going. So dad, I, I said, you are going. It's not, there are, there are many things I negotiate, but there are certain things is non-negotiable. You are going on that mission. When can I not go? When I say so. We need to indoctrinate our children. I I tell my children, listen, you can't have sex until you're married. But if you do, come and tell me. You have to you have to teach your children the right way. Do you think all the time your children want to come with you to church? You yourself, how often do you always want to come to church? So if you yourself, at times you don't want to go to church, if you always went with, because I, don't feel, I know some of you do this. Oh, no, I'm not feeling it. Are you feeling it, honey? No, I'm not, feel, no, I'm not feeling it. Uh, sorry, let's just call the pastor. After we're free in this church. Thank God for the CLF. I'm not coming today. <laughs> World Cup. I need time with my wife. You've got seven days. The Sunday is the only time you need with your wife. Seriously. Look at Abraham. Look at what God said. He says, for I have known him. God says, I have known Abraham in order, Genesis eighteen nineteen, I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord, look at this, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Look at that. It depended, God's promise to Abraham depended on the fact that Abraham would teach his children the way of the Lord. And God says, I have revealed myself to Abraham for him to teach his children the ways of the Lord so that they do what is right and what is just. Beloved, your, your knowing Jesus is not just for you, it's for your posterity. It's so that your children will know the ways of the Lord so that the things God has spoken over your life and over their life can come to pass. Let me tell you, what we do affects our children's children's children. You might not think it, you might not see it, but the, how we bring up our children is very important. And I told the churches on Friday, I'm going to repeat it. One of the prophetic words, one of our prophets in Ghana called me, our senior prophet, they called me and he said this to me. Joe, Pastor Joe, well, he said to me, Bishop, God is saying this. He said, you've trained up many of your leaders. And as you've trained them up, they have now taken their back seat because they have put their family first. And by putting, because they feel they need to focus on their family, so they've put their family first. And the the Lord is saying this, that because they have put their family first, it's good that they've put their family first, but it's not good that they've put their family before the work of God. So they are neglecting the work of God. And as a result, the things that they want to see, they will not see it until they prioritize back the work of God god reveals himself to us one of the reasons is so that we will teach and train our children in the ways of the lord it's not just about you and i being saved and going to heaven it's about taking a whole family with us a whole family with us if there is a heaven there is a hell and if there is a hell there is a consequence that sends people there and nobody can go to heaven unless they are born again you cannot leave your children's salvation to your children Somebody prayed you in and somebody needs to pray in your children. Why are you waiting for somebody else to do it? It's heaven and hell. It's life and death. And God reveals himself to us so that we can teach those after us the ways of the Lord. Also knowing Jesus will cause us to depart from iniquity. 2 Timothy Chapter 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord or the name of Christ depart from iniquity. God's foundation stands, stands solid. It's solid with this seal, this endorsement. The Lord knows those who are his. And those who are his, who name his name, must depart from iniquity. Iniquity is hidden wickedness. It's the things we do that nobody sees. It's the things we do that nobody sees. Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Our Lord says this. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. He says this, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name. And in your name done many wonders. Verse 23. He says, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. Beloved, when we know the Lord, it impacts our hidden history. The part of us no one sees. It does. It impacts you. I tell you, the Spirit of God is saying to this house, get rid of pornography. Get rid of uncleanness. Get rid of those idols. Many of the leaders, many of us from time to time engage in looking at erotic and sensual images. Just keep a straight face and keep looking at me. This one is just you and the Lord. And the Spirit of God is now saying to us, stop it. It's not just the men, also the women. It's not just the leaders, also the members. It's not just the members, even our children. And one of the things that the Spirit of God has been speaking to my heart is to the youth. To challenge you. Are you willing to be wholehearted for me? That's what God is saying to the youth. Or do you want to be like others who have been lukewarm? Like some of your parents. Are you willing to go all out for me? Or are you going to be like your parents? That's what he's saying. Now, I'm not saying every parent, but let's just speak it as it is. Because many of us are not radical. We are lukewarm. We are a bit kind of hotish, but you don't get burned when you come near us. There's nothing that burns us. Don't be wow! This guy, this woman, she, she is on fire. You say, oh, she's a nice Christian, nice Christian, nice Christians don't change the world. They go to heaven. They don't change the world. I pray that God will put a bomb in C.F. an explosion of holiness and fire, that people will become radical they will get rid of the things that defile them they will get rid of the things that hinder them i pray that a new move of holiness and righteousness and purity a hunger for the word of god for fasting for prayer will come upon the people of this church the youth the elders the leaders the members it will come upon us a new fire a new passion that will translate in ministering to the vulnerable In helping the weak. In ministering to the poor. In saving the lost. In bringing about the power of God in our context. The people cannot deny. The God we serve is the living God. Is the real God. Is the true God. Is an awesome God. People will see. That it is not just Singing nice songs. We are transformed people. When we declare God says this, it is because he said it. Your work colleagues will come to work eager to see you because you will interpret their dreams for them. As you, because they've come to realize that is the one that un- understands dreams. Hey, mate, I had this dream. I saw this guy in my garden and he kept saying to me, come over, come over. Don't get it. Don't get you having this dream. Well, guess what? God is speaking to you. He's the gardener in your life, telling him, telling you to come to him. Is that what it means? Are you sure? Okay, then. Well, I had another dream. I don't, I'm not sure about that. But anyway, I had another dream. And in my dream, it was me and my children and all that. And we were, we were driving a car, my car. And then as we are driving the car, it kind of went into this ditch and we just couldn't get out. God is saying, Your life. It's stuck. You and your whole family, you're in a rut right now. And that's true, you know. Yeah, we are. and Mrs., we're having a bit of a tough time. and That's for the kids, you know. Don't know anymore. You I know, don't know. Yeah, God's saying you're in a rut because of the way you've been living your life. I tell you, you'll be surprised. When people begin to see the authentic power of God, they will, it will become undeniable. I tell you this. Elijah could say this as the lord god lives is there not a prophet is, is there not a prophet in israel that they have to go somewhere else that they're so concerned about this i tell you they will say is there not a prophet in christian life fellowship is there not a prophet in this house are there not prophets they will bring your complex situations it's not even the pastors we'll take some of our children tell them what that means Amen. they'll bring people who are sick well, it's not even the pastors. We'll bring our children, lay hands, cast out that spirit. I tell you, have you ever seen, some of you haven't seen, have you ever seen someone who's demonized, manifest? Man, when you see that, all you have to do is be quiet in Jesus' name. No, hey, hey, uh, it's a uh, social service. No social service, shut up, sit down, be quiet. That's it. The raw power. I pray that you will encounter Jesus. And let me tell you something. When we begin to get rid of these unclean things in our lives, that's when we begin to see the power. When we recognize, let me tell you, repentance is a gift God gives to everyone. It is the gift of God that leads men to repentance. If you want to change, he will help you to change. You don't need to ask God to give you the gift of repentance. He gives it to us. Are you willing to receive it? In conclusion, let me conclude with this. How to walk with God and how to get close to Him. One is a divine invitation. It's a divine invitation, which is already given. Our Lord says in John 6:44, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. But here's Songs 1, Songs 1, verse 4 says this. Draw me away, we will run after you. The King has brought me into his chambers. We will be glad and rejoice in you. We will remember your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. Now what this song is saying is this. God, beckon me to you. As he beckons me to himself, beckon me to yourself. As he beckons you, he gives you the desire to run towards him and to run with him. As you run with him, he takes you into his chambers. In other words, into his arena of confidence. He says the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. And he will show them his covenant. And as he reveals himself to you, you begin to experience what we call the superior pleasures of God's kingdom. Gladness and and living right. Joy in doing what is right before God. You become happy because you're living holy. You see, many of us, because we've been so used to having an appetite for filth, we think that when we are living a holy life, it's drudgery. But I tell you, when you begin to respond to the invitation to live right, he begins to change your soulical appetites, and you have a desire to do what is right and to live a holy life, and you enjoy doing that. So it's a divine invitation. So secondly, walking with God involves pray a prayer request. And that was you ask him, Lord, give me the passion to seek you. Begin to ask for that as your number one prayer request. Not for a new car, a breakthrough. Make that your number five. Number one prayer request. Mm -hmm. Give me a hunger and a passion for you. Give me a zeal for you. Give me an appetite to live right. Give me, give me that. That is what I want. Matthew 7 7. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Look and it shall be open to you. These are real promises. Number three, how to walk with God. A daily lifestyle. You make it part of your daily life. In other words, it is out of that. That you live your life. So when you wake up, I tell you, there are many days I wake up, I don't feel like praying, I don't feel like doing anything spiritual, but I certainly don't feel like sinning. I used to wake up feeling that way and then feeling like sinning. It's a miracle. It's a miracle, I tell you, because that is not Joseph. That's not the old Joseph, that's the new Joseph. The old Joseph, when I didn't feel like praying when I didn't feel like doing what is right, I wanted then to feed my soulical appetites. A daily lifestyle. Luke chapter 9, 23. He said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Number four, it's a life of faith. A life of faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. In other words, it's a life of learning to do and believe God's word. Do and believe. Notice I said do and believe. Sometimes you need to do first before you believe. If you just say, I wait until I believe and then do, you will never believe. Many things about God, you do it first and then you believe. You don't believe first and then do. Sometimes you just, he said, come. So you come. As you come, you begin to find you're walking on water. Does a, wait, wait, wait. Let me just check. Is this really H2O? Hold on. And finally, it's a commitment to holiness. A commitment to holiness. Hebrews 12, 14. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which... No one will see the Lord. And I want to close on that. And then Matthew chapter 5a, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Holiness is us giving ourselves to God to demonstrate the prominence he has in our lives. And purity is the evidence of our level of holiness. Don't confuse holiness with righteousness. Righteousness is imputed. When you get saved, you're made righteous. Righteous. Holiness is realized through the process of sanctification. As you commit yourself to the Lord more and more, he makes you more holy. There are different levels of holiness. And there are certain levels of holiness as we enter into it. The power of God breaks out of us. Sometimes we confuse the gifts of the Spirit with the power that comes out of a consecrated life. Gifts will just flow as we worship, the gifts will flow. But God wants us to go beyond that, where out of the consecration level, the power of God is revealed.